Hey, this is Jeff Loveland. Thank you for tuning in to Anchor for My Soul podcast, where we want to give a message of hope in the middle of the storm by anchoring ourselves to the Word of God. In each episode, we will grow in our spiritual walk a little more as we use the SOAP Bible study method to dive deep into the scriptures, observe what God is teaching us, apply the lessons in our daily lives, and then pray about it. I hope this encourages you today and helps you go forward with Christ. Welcome back to Anchor for My Soul podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Loveland. Today we'll be covering 1 John chapters 4 and 5 and 2 John, which is one small chapter. These letters were written from John in a time where early Christians were dealing with heresy in the church. There is a time where it was difficult to distinguish between those who are faithful ministers of the Word of God and those who have gone out into the world as false teachers. Matter of fact, this situation still applies. From time to time, I will see a post on social media warning Christians to watch out for and disregard the teachings of several famous pastors and evangelical leaders. Some of the names that appear are likely to be favorites and well-known preachers and teachers. Some of them might have a message that really resonates with people's hearts, yet flawed in overall content. These messages will sound great to our itching ears, and yet do not stand up to the words written in the Bible. At the same time, some people may also lump those leaders into the false teacher's category, simply because they disagree with their views, or they may not actually be a false teacher. I also notice then the comments section of these social media posts that people will go back and forth arguing whether someone is or is not a false teacher. As you can tell, it is not always easy to know who is true and false when teaching God's word. So how do we know who is and who is not a false teacher and one that is of the Antichrist? 1 John is a letter that does a great job of teaching us the criteria we must look for when testing these spirits and these Christian leaders and the teachers, for we know that there are many who have been sent out to deceive people. My greatest fear as someone who loves God, loves others, and loves sharing God's word is that I may inadvertently or accidentally lead someone down the wrong path by saying something incorrectly. I do not ever want to be the cause of someone to stumble or be led down a path that does not grow closer to God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is something that I hope and pray all teachers and preachers of the Bible have, is this fear. This fear is because of our love for one another and our desire to see as many people saved as possible and to have eternity in heaven and not hell. Therefore, in everything I do, I point everything back to the Bible and God's word. This is where truth is found, because God's word is true. 1 John chapter 4 tells us to not believe every spirit and to test the spirits to see if they are from God. In order to test the spirits and what has been said, we must know the word of God and also compare what was said to the word of God. When someone is teaching a passage, 
I want to have my Bible open at the same time and read along. That way I know what is being said is not of opinion or a flawed message, but one that is true and matches God's word. Friends, there's just way too much at stake to be led down the wrong path by false teaching. Also, let me say this. We know from John chapter 14, verse 26, that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, is continually teaching us all things that Jesus taught us and told us. Also, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that God's Word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword that will penetrate and divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Therefore, it's important to note we are always learning and growing and being guided by the Holy Spirit when we seek Him and allow Him to teach us. And what He teaches us is alive and active for that very moment when one is sharing God's Word. Not only will you be guided for that moment or that situation, but God's Word will divide souls and spirits. It will divide those for God and truth and those who are not. It will divide those who are doing God's will and sharing His true word and those who have gone out to share a false message. It will divide those whose attitudes and hearts are pure and those who have been hardened and turned away. It will divide families, friends, communities, congregations, and believers who are going down different paths due to false teaching. Today, as we read and discuss 1 John chapters 4 and 5 and 2 John, let's make a point to see how we can test the spirits and know who is sharing the true word of God and who is leading those astray and deceiving many with a false message. Also, Let's make a point to see how we can love one another as God has commanded us and loves us. How we can abide in His love and see how love can be perfected when we do abide in Him. Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We'll be reading out the English Standard Version. First John chapter 4. Test the spirits. Verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. 
by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God is love. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. First John chapter 5 Overcoming the World Verse 1 Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Testimony concerning the Son of God, verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. 
If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That you may know, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Second John chapter 1 Greeting, verse 1 The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. Walking in truth and love. Verse 4. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. 
Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Final Greetings Verse 12 Though I have much to write to you, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that your joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. So that was our scripture reading for today. Now let's observe what it was saying. Let's apply it to our lives and then we will pray. One thing I've learned growing up is to not trust everything I hear. I'm learning this lesson now more than ever. What I hear on the news and see online, facts are being distorted, made up, or thrown around for one reason or another to satisfy someone's agenda or to make a point to try to prove something wrong. Facts and statistics are being changed and altered, and we either like what it says or we don't. And we go on with our day with more and more misinformation, more so than truth. For example, for us coffee lovers out there, as you may know, some months it will be reported that coffee is good for you, in moderation of course, and have all these amazing health benefits. Then in another month or two, it's reported that coffee is bad for you. The same goes for chocolate lovers, beer lovers, wine lovers, and do I need to go on? What we gather from this is that information can be twisted, distorted, or made to prove something wrong, whether it's true or not. The same goes with God's Word. As we all know, God's Word is truth. As mentioned in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16-17, through 17, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So it should not come as a surprise to us that something that the Lord has said that is to help us and to equip us for every good work is going to be falsely shared by those who are not walking in the truth and not from God. 1 John chapter 4 tells us in the very first sentence, one of the most important things we must do each and every day, and every time we hear someone preach or share God's word, and that is to not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see if it is from God. Did what that person say or teach on go hand in hand with what is written in the Bible? Or is there a hint of truth with a dash of deceit and lies? A recipe made for disaster. From the earliest days, Satan has been trying to twist God's word and make his lies seem more and more truthful and seem worthwhile. One of the greatest ways to deceive people is to make them question things that the Lord said is true, but really twist it around and make it a lie. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. That the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Right away, we see the serpent trying to deceive Eve. 
and question, have her question God. First John 4 verses 2 through 6 are key in identifying those who are from God and those who have gone away from God and out into the world spewing lies and deception. The spirit of the Antichrist, which we clearly see today. Verse 2 shows us that those who are of the Spirit of God are the ones who confess Jesus Christ came in flesh and is from God. Verse 3, on the other hand, shows us those who are of the world and include false teachers. They are the ones who do not confess Jesus is from God. From those two passages, we see several simple equations that help us clearly see the truth. The first equation only consists of two different groups being identified. One of those groups identifies as those who are from God, and one group identified as those who are from the world, who do not know God. The other equation is a very important one. The reason this one is so important is because we give the devil way too much credit when things go awry. We know there will be trials in this life and not everything comes from the devil. But what we do know, there will be trouble from time to time. Therefore, please make note of this important equation. The group that identifies as children of God, those from God, are able to overcome those who identify as those who are in the world and not of God. As we see here, the value of these two groups are not equal. But in reality, the group from God is greater because God is greater than those who are in the world. God is greater than the devil every single moment of every single day. We might look around and feel that we are losing the battle. But really, what we know is victory has happened at the cross. And the game is about to be called. Game. Set. Match. God wins every single time. With everything going on in the world, it very much feels like we are not winning and being attacked for our faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, there's a spiritual war going on, and there's much happening. However, we are from God, and He is greater than those who are in the world. Remember, when we are in the middle of the battle, and it feels like anything we do or say does not quite make a difference to those who are fighting amongst each other, it's important to know that those who know God listen to the truth, and those who are in the world do not listen. As Christians, we must do better at not just reacting, but listening, and then respond. Listen not just to one another, but listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Lord's instructions. Listen to God's word. Listen to the quiet peacefulness when you are in your prayer closet. Listen to the Lord. Too many times we are in a hurry to react and we do not take time to listen. When we listen, we know where the King will guide us. And that is with the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. I would much rather listen to the Holy Spirit who points me to truth than to listen to a spirit that points me to error. When we stop, pause, and listen and not be quick to react, get mad, or say something, we are much better off. Think of those times when someone has given someone wise counsel and the Holy Spirit guided the conversation with instructions from the Lord that is very useful for the situation. 
Then after the conversation is over, the person who received that wise counsel decided to handle things their own way and went with the spirit of error instead of the spirit of truth. Basically, the person chose the way of the world in lieu of God's way. Therefore, the instructions did not sink in and went in one ear and out the other. Whoever knows God listens to God and the instructions from God's word. Whoever is not of God does not listen and does things the world's way, going off of emotions and fleshly desires. This includes telling someone off, putting someone in their place, making sure someone pays for their wrongs, and much, much more. Friends, we must love. We must forgive and let God handle this. Majority of the time, the answer from God will be one of those three things, if not a combination of all three. Love, forgive, and let God. As we finish up discussing chapter 4, we were told that God is love, and as for love comes from God. Verses 7 through 21 has several key items to take in. 1. God is love, and those who love others have been born of God and know God. Because we were created in His image, and we are to follow His ways. When we do that, we will love one another and make this a priority. 2. The love of God was made manifest among us. As for God sent His only Son, Jesus, into the world, so that we may have eternal life and live through Him. Jesus was appropriation and sacrifice for our sins. Because God loves us that much to sacrifice His only Son, we should love one another as He loves us. 3. It is important to know that we are to confess that Jesus is the Son of God and know that God abides in Him and He in God. When we believe this, we come to know the love that God has for us and we are able to abide and continue in that love. When we abide in that love, several things happen. We know God is love and when we abide in that love, God abides in us. There is a phrase that is very popular in our culture today. That phrase is, love is love. It means that you can love whoever you want, and there really isn't anything wrong with that, no matter what their sexual orientation or what gender they identify with. That is incorrect. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but love also comes in different forms, and that phrase is used to go against God's word and to diminish sin. We are called to love one another and care for one another, but we are to do so according to the word of God. The amplified version of verse 7 says, Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. Note the part that says unselfishly loves. When I hear the phrase, love is love, it caters to the idea of one person loving or having a sexual or intimate relationship with someone else, no matter what anyone else thinks, including God. That, my friends, is selfish. You are called to love and care for one another, but yet the Bible clearly lays out the boundaries, roles, and commandments we must follow. There are boundaries and rules set for husbands, wives, children, even slaves, masters, and much more. 
There are boundaries established in the word of God to prevent us from going down a path of sexual immorality, adultery, lust, and unnatural relationships that goes against the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. These boundaries are not popular in this hookup culture we live in, but they must be followed. When we look around the world today, we see more and more people going down a path that consists of hookups to satisfy their sexual, lustful, and sinful desires, in marriages being torn apart, in divorces on the rise. The reason I mention the love is love concept is that this episode is because we have listened to false teachers and spirits that have pointed the majority down a path that is not from God, but is from the world. A path that twists God's word and uses lies, deception, and emotions to lead many to unrighteousness. As you can see, families, communities, and our relationship with God and one another are being attacked and the word love is being distorted and thrown around to make sin acceptable. Love is the greatest thing we can do and is how we abide in God's love. No wonder this is being distorted and perverted. Verse 17 talked about how love is perfected with us when we abide in his love and care for one another or seeking the best for one another. Also, this verse mentioned the confidence of the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. And as we are in this world, there are many things trying to pull us into temptation and sin. When we know that we are loved by him, from him, and created for a purpose, we can have confidence as we go forward, sending love throughout the land. The same love that God has for us and sacrificed his only son for us. That love that truly is there to care for one another. In a time where fear is running rampant and attaching to all things that we know and do, love is the only answer. Perfect love casts out fear. When we love, we are focused on God and one another and not punishment. When we love, we lay our lives down for one another. In this world, we will have trouble, but love will win. Verse 21 says it perfectly. In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Today, let's truly love one another and unselfishly seek the best for one another. Let's let love rule. John chapter 5 starts off by telling us to overcome the world. Verse 1 reminds us that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father has been born of Him. Verse 2 and 3 then mention how by this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey and keep His commandments, which are not burdensome. Verse 4 tells us that everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Stop. Let's pause right there. Let's break up verse 4 into two sections, 4a and 4b. 4a says, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. When we read just that part only, it sounds amazing 
that makes it sound like there'll be victory in everything that we do, and there is nothing stopping us or getting in our way. As we know, there are plenty of things in this world that try and prevent us from fully going forward in what God has called us to do. There will be trials. There will be spiritual warfare. There will be bumps and bruises. Many false teachers will take a verse out of context similar to this one and make it seem like all you have to do is just a few things and God will just rain down blessings on you, unlike anything you've ever seen. You'll hear the prosperity gospel, where you'll be told that you'll be rich beyond your wildest dreams. If only you pray and give more and do a few extra things. As you can see, a verse taken out of context can be more harmful than good. Now let's listen to 4b that says, And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You see, it's our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who went to the cross for us, the lamb who was slain, the appropriation for our sins. This is where victory is found. And yes, everyone born of God will overcome this world and have victory, but it is through our faith, not works, not what we gave, not what we've done, but through our faith in Jesus Christ. You may experience trial after trial and many bumps and bruises, but friends, when it's all said and done, there is victory, thanks to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 says, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 37. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Verses 6 through 12 are about the testimony concerning the Son of God, Jesus. Here we see John providing three witnesses that prove Jesus is God and to give us certainty of God's witnesses. In these verses, we see the emphasis of Jesus Christ who came by water and blood and that the Spirit testifies to who Jesus is because the Spirit is truth. Therefore, as mentioned in verse 8, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. The water is significant because of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. The blood is the blood that was shed on the cross for the sins of his people. And the spirit is to bear witness to Christ, as for the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. A testimony is where one shares about how God has impacted their life, being a witness for the goodness of God by giving proof or evidence of what he has done. Verse 10 is important because as children of God, we will have a testimony about Jesus. Verse 10 says, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. God is always moving, and we are continually being witnesses to this. As Christians, we are believers of Jesus Christ and can give an account of how he has changed our life and made us a new creation. Sometimes it's hard to share this testimony because it's still being written. As believers in the Son of God, we know that there is a testimony with each and every one of us. We are to give an account of what He has done in our lives and be witnesses of it. As believers of Jesus Christ, our final testimony will include God giving us eternal life because this life is found through Him, Jesus, the Son of God. In verse 13, we see why the Apostle John wrote this letter. And that is so that the believers of 
the Son of God, Jesus, so that we may know that we have eternal life. Emphasis on the word know. Verse 14 through 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. What a joy it is to have confidence in knowing that as believers in Jesus Christ, that we will have eternal life, and that what we ask according to him, he will hear. The words know and confidence really help us as we combat false teachers that try and get people to question their faith and their salvation. What a joy it is to know that the Lord hears our prayers and will answer them, if they are according to his will. We know that God loves his children and love to hear from his children and are there for them in all times, in all situations. Verses 16 through 18 emphasize the important fact that all wrongdoing is sin and that there are sins that lead to death that are, and some that do not. As far as sin that leads to death, there are several passages that go with this, including three different Gospels that show Jesus talking about the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Those who have been born again and tasted and seen the goodness of God, and yet also keep on deliberately sinning, basically rebelling against and making a mockery of God and His Word. First, let's talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12, 31-32 says, Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Mark 3, verses 29 through 30 says, But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. And also Luke 12, verse 10 and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. We also see uh, passages of those who have tasted and seen the goodness of God, and, but yet have fallen away. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4-6 through six says, For it is impossible, in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Hebrews 10 verse 26 to 27 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. If we continue on, 1 John chapter 5, verses 20-21 through 21 are the main emphasis of this letter. As we can see, it mentions that Jesus, the Son of God, came to give us understanding so we know what is true. That includes the part 
that we are in him, who is the true God in eternal life. John ends this letter with a warning to keep ourselves from idols, the things that we worship that are worthless. There are many things that we worship with our time, our money, our thoughts, that take away from our relationship with God, and there are other religions that some start to believe. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I hope that he shines a light onto all idols and things that get in our way from fully seeking him and that we are able to move past the lies and the deception and know the truth. The truth that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and through him we will have eternal life. This is where victory is found. And this is where we are to remain confident and stand firm. Second John can be summed up with just a couple last thoughts. This letter covers much of the same concepts as the first letter. The first main concept in this letter is that we are to love one another and be walking in truth and love. Walking according to his commandments as we heard from the beginning. The second concept I noticed was the reminder that there are many deceivers or antichrists who are out in the world, who do not confess that Jesus is Christ or God in flesh, but are those who do not abide in the teachings of Christ, those not of God. If anyone should come to us who have not accepted or is preaching Jesus' teachings, we are to know that they are taking part of the wicked ways of this world and should not be received so that we are not deceived. I believe this is more about being careful about who is around us and protecting our soul from those who are trying to guide us into a path of this world and of destruction. I do not believe this is talking about necessarily ministering to others, but being aware of who some of those people out there are. Those trying to bring you down or pull you away from God, whether they seem innocent or not. Too many Times people have allowed others to come into their life and pull them away from our Lord for another set of beliefs. One that does not lead to eternal life with our God, our Father, and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Then the letter ends with a final greeting or a sign-off that John hopes to see them face to face. So how do we apply all this to our lives? One, we are to test the spirits and know which ones are from God. Those who confess Jesus as Christ and has come in flesh is from God. Those who do not believe this are in the world and not of God, but of the Antichrist. So we must be aware and always testing what is from God. Two, know that God is love and that we are commanded to love one another. God is love, and who abides in love abides in God. Also, there is no fear in love, for love casts out fear. Also, whoever loves God must love his brother, those who are in our lives. And we must continue to walk in truth and love, walking according to his commandments. And number three, overcome the world. 
We do this by loving God's children, by loving God and obeying His commandments, knowing that we will ultimately have victory through our faith in Jesus Christ, that we have a testimony, our witnesses of God and Jesus Christ, that He died for our sins so that we may have eternal life. Also, that He came so that we may have understanding and know what is true, of which we can be confident in knowing that we know the truth and will not be deceived. Let's end in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time to be in your presence and to just listen to the things that you're teaching us through your word for this very episode, such as testing the spirits and knowing which ones are from you, God. Knowing that those who confess that Jesus is Lord, they he is Christ and has come in flesh, that those are from you. And also those who disagree with that are not of you, but of are, are of this world and of the Antichrist. Those trying to deceive us and pull us away from you. Father, thank you for making us be aware of this and, and realizing that we must constantly test this. For there are many who have gone out into the world trying to deceive us and lead us away from you. Father, thank you for reminding us and teaching us that you are love. And that when we abide in you, that your love abides in us. And that we are to love one another as you have commanded us to do. That we must continue to walk in truth and love and be there for one another. Just like you are with us. And that we must overcome this world by our faith in you, Jesus. We will have bumps and bruises and temptations and trials, but in the end, we overcome and have victory thanks to you, Jesus, for what you have done for us on that cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your sacrifice and just everything that you have done and continue to do. Thanks to you and our, and our faith in you, we can have eternal life. And we can be confident in that and know the truth and not be deceived. Thank you, God, for this lesson today. Thank you for just constantly just teaching us what is true in a world with so many false teachers and preachers. May we stick to you and your word and the truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us decide and decipher what is true and what is not. God, you love us so much, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Anchor for My Soul podcast. If you would like to help us reach further and hear daily content in the near future, we ask that you share this podcast with your friends and also consider becoming a financial partner to help us reach further for Jesus and to share the word. We are blessed to have listeners who pray for us and go make a difference in the kingdom. Please check out our website, www.anchorformysoulpodcast.com, where we have our past episodes, information about the podcast, and even who I am. If you so feel led to become a financial partner, you can either go to our website or you can go to anchor.fm 
backslash Anchor for My Soul podcast. Together, we make a difference. God bless.